I'm having my one. Hello and welcome to this triple X rated episode of the I'm Having My One podcast, a podcast about board games. I'm joined as always by my hot hosts, Tom. Hello. And Neil. Hello there. Oh, no, sorry. It's the 30th episode, my mistake. Tom insists everything is numbered in Roman numerals, and I got confused. Obviously, we all know that 30 years is the amount of time Marty travelled back before he then headed into the future. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the 88th minute of this recording. On this episode, we'll be talking about the game we've just played, which is Hero Realms. Then we usually cover what games we've been playing separately since the last episode, but the three of us were lucky enough to have a full 11 and a half hour playthrough of the epic Europe engulfed. So we'll have a look at that, our usual exploration of the hotness in our six of the best, and finally rounding off the series, a look at my board game collection. Great Scott, let's get on with this podcast. I meant to interrupt you and say, instead of 88, I think you mean LXXXV111. Uh, So whilst waiting for Neil to turn up for the recording, Tom and I have played Hero Realms. This is a game we've spoken about a lot on this podcast, but Tom has never played and uh, we've not done as part of this uh, pre-game recording. So we thought it would be a good one to do. Uh, This is a two-player, very quick kind of 20-minute deck building game, uh, which was... uh, designed by Robert Doherty and Darwin Castle, and is published by Wise Wizard Games. Uh, There are also options for uh, 3+, plus uh, with different modes to play, so you can have more than two players playing it. However, for some of them, you will need a couple of copies of the deck. In the game, you play five cards from your hand, which gives you the ability to heal, attack, or buy cards from the market deck. And the cards in the market deck will give you potentially other options and special abilities that you can use, you can use, including champions who stay out and defend you from the evil attackers that are trying to break you down. Um, and overall, just a very, very simple card only deck building game. So, Tom, your first playthrough, what did you think? I was pleasantly surprised by it, really. I think one of the things that was great getting into it and having played relatively few of these types of games but actually quite a lot recently is this all got very similar mechanics right so the way in which you have your market and you have your um you know your your money cards that you play and those are just used for nothing other than paying for for the cards that you want to buy it's very like something like dominion that we've we've had to go up recently right and um and it was great I, i remember so thinking about one element that is different about this game, about the, the combos that you can do. So the way in which different cards kind of chain together based on on the icons they've got on them. I remember when you explained that, thinking, how the hell is this going to work in a deck builder where it's, you know, the chaos of the cards that you're going to get out? Um, and, and And not being able to kind of... <laughs> certainly start with I was thinking how the hell am I going to remember what what, what combos um, I've got in there what other symbols I've got to be able to build combos but actually that worked really well and that that idea you're saying about how quick this game is it's different from something like Dominion and so being able to do that that um, that deck building and combo making from having such a quick game where you cycle through your deck quickly and actually there aren't that many different symbols for you to collect 
relatively simple thing oh, i'm collecting the reds or all the greens or whatever or the blues um that will work really well and and actually that's something that i think elevates this game for me over something like dominion insofar as you can have a little bit of those that com- combo action going on right yeah and you can still be at the mercy of the the cards that you draw and is the same with any kind of deck builder but but yeah you're right and i think careful buying from the market deck can really kind of elevate this and you know help you get going with these combos i mean you mentioned at the start in in the game you start with 50 hit points and you look and you've got like a couple of points of damage you can do in your in your deck and you think well this game's gonna drag on forever but once you've got a few of the market champions and you've got a couple of combos going then suddenly the damage racks up and the the game picks up pace rather quickly doesn't it right it does and that's that is one of the things that can end up being so quick the damage that you can inflict in those is is massive you know it's sort of from the 50 that you have there was i don't know 11 12 13 damage being inflicted fairly often so you can obviously tell how quickly um you're gonna go down from 50 neil you've had this game for a long long time um you're obviously a big fan what what's the appeal of this game to you yeah i really really like the i think it's one of the better deck building games much like star realms tom i don't know if you could see some of the comparisons then that we were uh that we were drawing to the star wars deck building game um, mm-hmm. when we played that at the expo because obviously it's kind of hero realms is sort of my fa- my favorite of these little deck builders and paul star realms is uh very 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 similar right i um i really like the uh the like you say the um, the different combos. So what what you were talking about there, I'm assuming, was the four suits. You know, the yeah. kind of the suits of the cards. And they so have the like blue... little tags on them and stuff, right? That you can make those combos from. Yeah, but also thematically. So the blue faction's all about like the guild of the city. Um, the red uh, cards were like the the necros faction, I think they're called, which is all about the kind of the the undead and all of that kind of blood magic. Yeah. Um, the yellow faction is the imperial faction. Um, which so I'm assuming that means they're the good guys, and then the uh, the green is the wild faction. Um, so they've got kind of all that wild magic and nature and all that kind of carry on. We've said on the pod before, but um, it's interesting that this is probably one of Louise's favourite games because this is absolutely not the theme um, that would typically appeal to her. But I think the mechanics are just so strong that it carries through. I think that's good. Um, Tom and I we actually played two two versions of the game so we played the base game and then there is a an expansion you can get which is a heroes expansion so you sack off your starting set of cards because in the base game everyone has the same start in 10 cards and you replace it with 12 different cards uh that's either a fighter a mage a, you know kind of a, a rogue type person and two that i've slipped my mind uh, a cleric is one, and a warrior. I yeah. think I think there are five. They're all actually individual packs that you buy. So oh, you okay. I the, thought they came as a, a as no, a, no, no. Okay. So here was my question then. So, so did like who was your guys' um, focus of faction on? Let's say that second game. Well, cart class the second game was kind of your post tutorial game. Um, Tom. Did you think to yourself, right, I'm going to try and find, like, you know, try and go for the blue faction or the, the red faction or, or whatever? In the first game, I total beginner's luck, utterly thrashed Paul. And that was down, I thought, to having having the champions out. So these are the, 
characters that you can recruit and they you know they sit out on the board and protect you against um most attacks and that was something i went in fairly heavily on in that first game because it just seemed to make sense you know want to not lose to get the things that can defend you i hadn't particularly focused on one or the other um initially but but gone down the route of trying to you know having collected a few greens which seemed to be like a, the would you say those were they were a bit like elf nature elf, yeah nature um is to try and get something like that but when it came to the second game yes i absolutely was trying to get the red cards um but i just couldn't get them for the the champions i found it very difficult um it was one of the things i'd sort of put on there as a as a question mark over this game is that is that a common experience do you think that when you're playing it that you you just can't quite get access to the cards that you you know is a good strategy to protect yourself so for me i think you have to have a focus i think if you just try and collect cards from all the suits i think i think it's 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 very difficult to because you rely on those synergies and those combos right those bottom row actions that match up when you've got cards of the same um so I mean I've got a heck of a lot of playthroughs of this and I would say that I normally go for like a primary secondary sort of thing okay. <clears throat> and then if I start to see a, a sort of one emerging more than the other you you just you just want multiple cards of the same color just coming out all the time right yeah it, it's difficult Paul have you got a favorite that you like to kind of default to in star realms or are you neutral no I'm fairly neutral I think some of it is going on kind of what the other person is is trying to do either trying to take that faction colors to stop them building up so strong or finding, you know, if they're, they're taking, you know, a very damage heavy dealing set of cards, then going for the healing cards or, you know, cards with some good defense and things like that. As with any deck builder. And I, you know, I think Tom, you were kind of unlucky in the second game, not to get any champions once you'd already bought a load of red cards come out. Yeah. But yeah, as with as with any deck builder, as with any game that plays very heavily with cards, that you know, you are you are very much limited to what comes out from that deck. Yeah. I think we mentioned it several times as sort of um almost an excuse for flaws in a game, potentially, but um just how quickly a game plays is that this is probably the best example I think I've played so far of, you know what, you've had a bad game, it's not gone too well, doesn't matter, give them a shuffle, have another go. It's so uh, quick. It is very quick, yes. You know, 20 minutes max, I think. Yeah. Um, especially once you know what you're doing. So it's a really, as I say, I think I've logged well over 100 games of... <laughs> star realms and we've been playing that since before i even started logging games so but it's just such a lovely one to have over a coffee as as we say we like the preschool run board game or the lunchtime game or whatever it is this is an absolute cracker for that yeah um i i own star realms um it's a bit easier to get hero realms is kind of out of print and there are second-hand copies that come up um, but in terms of the two games, there's not really much in it. I don't feel because I own, I don't feel because I own Star Realms, I the need to get Hero Realms. Mm. Um, and I like, yeah. I love space theme, so so that's great. I think the other nice thing about this game is because it's a very basic deck builder. Is if people are new to the hobby of playing games and you want to get them into other deck building games. 
whether that be something like Dominion or whether it be something where there are other factors like um, Clank, for example, if you're kind of building up with complete newbies, Star Realms or Hero Realms is a great one to teach because, you know, when when I taught Neil how to play the Star Wars deck building game at the Expo yeah. and we sat down, it was like, right, remember how you play Hero Realms and then these are just the extra rules that you need. Yeah, and so there are so many so many games that draw on this deck building theme and i know some were kind of about before but this is such a quick simple version of it it's a brilliant one i think to teach and then once they've got the concepts in their head then it's easy then to step up to some of the other games yeah definitely so true what is it like at more than two players i don't enjoy it as much We've done there. There are lots of different ways of playing with three or four, or even up to six players. With six player variants, you kind of need two decks for it to work. Yeah, but you can do sort of two on one, but the one gets extra bonuses. You can do kind of a free for all, or only attacking person to a person either side of you. They're good, but they don't really hold up very well. I think it it becomes a lot more chaotic and a lot more luck driven to who's going to win that well i'm quite kingmaker i found especially at three yeah at, at three it can be um Just whoever whoever you know two people will go at it and then someone else tap dances in for the finish um and i think if you're going to play deck builders with more people something like i would recommend something like dominion over something like this yeah do you want <laughs> one thing is that and this is a bit off topic but Playing all these games and playing deck builders some more makes me realise how bloody good Star Wars deck builder game is. It's so good, that game. It is fantastic. I would put my neck on the line and say I think that this is a better game than Star Wars deck builder. Would you? Okay. Okay. Fair enough. I've had a couple of games of Star Wars deck builder that have just run a bit too long. It does certainly run a lot longer. There's no question, yeah. And I don't know if that's just because... You can do a lot more damage, or if there's more of the guard card. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but but mm. yeah, I think I think it's because you're taking out a lot of the planets, um, and damage. The way you damage is calculated slightly differently. Whereas in in this, you just pull your damage to- total and and kind of throw it out there. Whereas in Star Wars, you're allocating per card to other other attributes. Sure, and I guess actually sometimes you're more inclined to to take out the attack, you know, instead of because you might get the extra money for it or because you want to stop the other person getting the benefit of, you know, getting Darth Vader or whatever. So I guess yeah. that's a lot of unallocated damage in theory, isn't it? Yeah, so what about taking a one in this game? I mean, it's, it's a quick game, maybe. Well, I definitely had one as a... <laughs> this is one of those where you want to be playing them in the in your cards in the right order. So, uh, or oh, sorry, not in the right order, but be, be making making sure you're making the most of what's on those cards. Uh, and there are often a couple of options. So, I think in that sense of, oh, I just missed that. Need to have another uh, quick attempt at that. Have a do over. Then, yeah, for sure. Uh, so then, let's go on to ratings. Neil, you've had this game. This is you know your one of your favourites, I think. So what would you be scoring this game? I think for me, I think it should be an 8.5. Okay. Um, yeah, cool. definitely definitely sits up there. Thomas? Yeah, I think somewhere... All right, I just had a quick look back. 
saying I rate this higher than Dominion. Um, what I did, um, what I rated Dominion, which was 7.5, uh, and then had a quick look at what I rated Star Wars Zek Builder, which I do think is better. Uh, so I'm going to go, which was eight. So I'm just going to go right in the middle. Uh, so 7.75. Okay. Um, we'll have to see because I've I've never had to do a, a two decimal point. Okay. All right. All right. I can, I can make life easier if you want and just do 7.8. It's better, better than Dominion, I think, but not quite as good as Star Wars for me. For me, I rated a uh, I rated Dominion an eight, and I would give the Star Wars deck builder an eight point five. So, on your logic, I think it sits in the middle. So, an eight point three for me. I don't like all these new decimals. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing in these fancy, fancy. Turn, turn me back to shillings. Yeah. Um. So I rate Hero Realms eight and. 11.30 seconds. Unbelievable, Jeff. Ah. So the three of us in the week have played Europe Engulfed. This is a big, epic World War II European theatre block game. Now, we actually played it for episode four of the podcast from when we played it last year to this year. It was almost exactly a year. The previous year, we didn't quite get to finish this one, luckily, we we had that spare 11 and a half hours kicking around, so we were able to, <laughs> to have a, a really good game of it. Um, in terms of how you play, it's one of those block war games, so you've got the real fog of war because the blocks are pointing at you. Um, I'm not going to go into too much detail of how the game plays or anything itself because you can go back and listen to episode four and save us repeating ourselves. So. Neil, how did you find it? Yeah, it was good. It was epic, wasn't it? It was. Uh, it was just um, really, really good fun to to get together and um, work through one of these massive experiences. It's um, the longest that I've ever uh, played a block war game for. Um, it was nice to see it pan out. Um, I probably say that we are. Lucky to have finished the war in 1943 because uh, that took 11 and a half hours. I don't know how long the, uh, <laughs> the remaining year and a half might have taken, or two years, really. But no, it was good. It was good. Uh, Tom and I played the uh, the Allies. Uh, Paul, you were the, the lone Axis player. Um, magnanimous as ever in, uh, in, in, in kind of taking that role of being the person playing on their own. So, you know, it was quite nice for Tom and I having someone to chat to and, and strategize and... It was good to just to kind of keep trying to remind Tom not to go in all guns blazing every now and then. But <laughs> so definitely how it was. <laughs> so it's got this really great push and pull element, and sometimes you feel, uh, and, and the game's designed obviously very thematically for the Germans to to make a, a good strong start, and then kind of slowly just fizzle away into nothingness. I suppose is the. You know, and uh, but be, be, you know, because I am very much keen on keeping history as it is, I I deliberately lost as the Germans uh, this time. Um, Two years but, early, uh, saving millions of lives. Yeah, what a, what a hero! Very very considerate of me. Um, but but Tom, like I know you've played it a couple of times before, all the way through. How how was this experience for you? This is the first time I've played it all the way through in one sitting. I okay. previously played it across a, uh, a long weekend or something like that. I think we did. And 
yeah, God, I was absolutely shattered at the end of it and into the next next couple of days. In fact, the the mental strain of um, uh, of of playing playing that game, but it was just fantastic. These games that I've gone on about at length previously are, are absolutely my favourite thing. And it is, as you were saying, Neil, it is an experience. It's an experience game. It's the sort of thing that you can only reasonably get to the table if you're lucky once a year. And it has so many elements that I love and have spoken about before, so I won't um, bang on about it too far, too much this time. But some brilliant elements within the game that we had of of your charge towards Moscow that nearly, nearly, but for some bad dice rolls, um, nearly paid off. But then at other times, some incredible dice rolling on your part which uh, which wounded Neil's ability to be able to build new units through the submarine warfare that you were conducting uh, on on the Western Front, and it it just had so many great elements like that, and lots of things. And this is one of the things that's really nice for me about playing um, with you got you guys, use people, you guys, is you do approach these things differently to me, and also when I play against my uh, brothers, they. I think they largely would play similarly to me anyway, is that you guys do, you know, approach things differently and, and try different tactics and stuff. And I think there was just some, some great things that, that uh, you were doing Neil in the way in which you, <laughs> I'm trying not to say throw units into <laughs> whatever field uh, possible, just to have a go. Um, but I'm going to, cause that's what you did. Um, in, in not in a in an un, unplanned way, you know, we discussed it, and it, it you know, one occasion you're a bit churned up in in one area of the map that you're trying to do it, but in other occasions it worked really well. It was sort of I don't know your point of view, Paul, but when uh, Neil attacked Italy, that was just seemed like a bit of a uh, a shock moment um, from what I perceived you you would be expecting. Yeah, I think I think it's always good playing with those different strategies because I kind of know that you're going to sit back and build up your forces and then when you've got a very measured attack, then you're going to be throwing it in. And uh, Neil is very much the uh, the lottery finger in the air of where uh, these troops are going to appear. Um, uh, but, it was a but bit it, more. It was a bit more. <laughs> I think you can both absolutely do one. I think I was way more calculated than usual yes i have got a bad rep but just because you were more calculated than usual it doesn't mean it was i think absolutely i think there was a lot of discussion going on paul that perhaps you didn't notice about where neil was going to go in Um, my point more is that you do you do attacks neil that i wouldn't necessarily do I think mainly because in my brain I'm thinking, well, the Allies didn't do that in 1943, so that doesn't make sense, does it? <laughs> but it's great, you know, from a, you know, those who might be listening who are interested more on a thematic uh, simulationist point of view, you know, it really does do that that thing that that really happened of the the Germans just getting gradually sucked into this this endless war of attrition on the Eastern Front and being, you know, what were really strong defences in France gradually peeled away peeled away peeled away until when neil actually invaded and did d-day in bordeaux why not the wine's good um it uh 
it, there was kind of nothing in front of you, right, Neil? I think we calculated one point. Best case, he could put seven units in against you, and then he took two of those away on top of it. So he threw everything into uh, to, to your uh, to your eastern front. But fantastic um, simulationist part of that as well, even if it you know wasn't exactly happening as it did. But it, you're still getting those big themes, which uh, which I always appreciate. I enjoyed the uh, the thematic um, of. Uh, my boys being completely cut off without supply uh, in uh, in uh, in Africa. Um, that was great. And then uh, and then yeah, they spent they spent uh, they spent a good six months uh, practicing their 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 jumping techniques in the uh, in the desert before uh, cutting <laughs> supply lines to Tobruk and then taking that back. I thought that was all very exactly. And that was again a good little. Um good little moment during the game though wasn't it that that i'm sure we don't mind admitting took us aback is that the the attack that you did that meant that the supply in the mediterranean just had to you know shrivel up and, and that there'd be nowhere near enough supply anymore was a great little moment in that fantastically long game um where you had a moment <laughs> of doing that and neil and i were looking at each other and oh crap what the hell are we going to do about this <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just it's so much fun. Um, I think we understand that these kind of big epic games aren't going to be for everyone. It's very complicated, although actually not not too bad. Kind of once you've got your head around things, the game explains very well when new troops appear or how things like that are going to work. It you know so it's kind of step by step, and and I think overall it's very good. Yeah, I have to say, I loved this. Apart from the fact I think my brain would have probably melted. We played on the Friday. If on the Saturday we were all free, I'd have quite happily just set up and gone again. Um, okay, then. So uh, we're not going to change the official I'm having my one podcast scores. But when we played it back in episode four, Tom, you gave it a 10. Neil, you gave it an eight. And then I gave it a 9.5. So would you check? I mean, Tom's given it the big 10, so it'll be interesting. Would you change your scores? For me, no. You know, it's a very different game, but it's very like um, Twilight Imperium in, in that event nature. It takes a long time, but there's so much to it. I get such a lot of enjoyment out of it. And the fact that it, it has that event element to it, that you just can't do it very often. And so that is part of the excitement. So it's absolutely still 10 out of 10 for me. Yeah. And and I think for me, I mean, I gave it 9.5 and listening back on the recording, I gave it a 9.5 saying I'd like to give it a 10, but we didn't finish. Um, but now we have finished. I 100% would have given that a 10. And then Neil. It's definitely going up. It's definitely going up. And it's going to... Attention. That is great. I, th- I think I think 9.5. I think um, I've put... Uh, I've broken my Swedish rounding rule for uh, for June 2019 at 9.6. So I think that's it's right. So so that is Europe engulfed as our kind of what we've played this week. Um, and and as you can see, we we all really enjoy kind of these big day epic type games, whether that be Twilight Imperium or Europe engulfed or something like that. And we know that there are many massive thematic kind of war games out there so if there are any you think we should be looking at then uh, why not join us on our discord server uh, there'll be a link in the description on this podcast or visit i'mhavingmyone.com <laughs>
Right, on to our regular delve into the hotness in six of the best. Uh, I think for our regular regular listeners, it doesn't need a huge amount of explanation. So uh, let's crack on. If you're not a regular listener, then uh, if you start episode one, by the time you get here, you'll know exactly what we're talking about. So, Neil, what's your <laughs> first game for us this week? If you're not a regular listener, become one. Yeah. <laughs> become one by starting off with our entire back catalogue it's only somewhere in the region of like 35 to 40 hours worth of content so uh my first game is actually i'll keep it fairly short because this is a game that i've mentioned before in the hotness uh this is great western trail new zealand uh so this mm. has um i think i mentioned it a good few episodes ago when it was in the hotness uh, in anticipation of its arrival um but then now uh, now these copies are, are making their way into stores and into print. If you're familiar with Great Western Trail, um, you are what they would call a run holder. Um, so that is uh, the owner of a sheep station on the South Island of New Zealand uh, at the end of the 19th century. So um, very much all the fun of the Great Western Fair uh, based in New Zealand with sheep. Uh, otherwise, mechanically, uh, it's largely the same. Um, you are still um, moving around the board, uh, placing your own buildings, changing that journey um, that people are going to be going on every time. There's a little uh, water element for the islands. It just looks great. It looks really, really good. I'm gutted that uh, the three of us haven't played core Great Western Trail. That would definitely still be um, in, in my games that, that we must play soon. Um, and there's three of these. I can't see a world where I'm not going to get a copy of this game. Um, but then the completionist in me would say, well, why don't you just get the Argentina one as well? But I don't know. I'm just not really as interested in that one. But You've got a connection to New Zealand, right? I think that's that's the big thing. Sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I lived over there for for, for quite a while. So, uh, and, and on the South Island, it's not often the South Island gets the uh, the kudos. So, <laughs> that's where all the sheep are, right? Yeah, sheep, <laughs> sheep over beef. Yeah, exactly. And I think since we last talked about it, in my mind, you've since played, um, okay, original but second edition Great Western Trail, right? Yeah, and it's and it's instantly been a big hit. I, it's one of those like it's one of those amazing games that lived under a rock for me. That it just seemed silly um, that 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 none of us had played it. So yeah, fantastic. It looks good. Um, I'm sure we'll get round to playing original and then uh, this one when you you pick it up. Tom, what have you got for us to look at for this? So my first one is Pirates of Maracaibo, uh, which is a game which is going to come out this year uh, from Alexander Pfister, um, who interestingly created um, Great Western Trail, uh, as well as Port Royal and Isle of Skye and other games that um, we have mentioned previously. It is in the same series as the game from 2019, Maracaibo, which is a very popular hand management game. But this is a standalone product, um, and I noticed that the designer actually has been fairly chatty on BGG about this and, and commented that this is this completely different game, comparing it in the scythe to expeditions kind of comparison of being the same world, but being ultimately a different game. More on that in a minute. Uh, there's no map this time or map board. Uh, you're laying out the cards as you um complete that adventure um that you're doing and it's got a uh, solo element to it as well with a, an automa 
bot, which is cool. Um, and in this game, you're going to be living out your life as a as a pirate in the Caribbean, in that kind of golden age of of piracy, uh, aiming to gather the best crew and get the most loot um, before you retire at the top of your game. And it's one that just stood out to me as a new of the original. It's kind of been in and around the list of games that I thought would be interesting to have a look at that. But it's also, I think, share this in common with you guys, always looking for that single excellent pirate game that I don't think we've ever quite found yet. Um, so if this perhaps turns out to be to be it, that would be great. It is a game that is available for pre-order right now, and it's got Essen Pickup, which is quite exciting. I actually regret to say I forgot to look for a price for that, so I'll look for that in a minute. Um, but yeah, looks looks like it could be cool from the limited amount of information that is available. That's great. We love a pirate game, and as you say, they've not quite made the pirate game that we want, so uh, it's, worth, it's worth further investigation, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so my first choice for the hotness is Disney Lorcana. This is their new trading card game. So in the same realm as Magic the Gathering. I know there's a Star Wars one coming out. There's Yu-Gi-Oh! There's Pokemon. There's all of these kind of things. And, and Disney have got in on this with their version of it where you get uh, your characters and your abilities and even songs that you can get characters to sing to give you a boost in this game. Um, kind of the main reason why I picked this is it, it looks interesting. It looks fun to play. Um, but when we were at the UK Games Expo, it was by far the busiest stand. There was a huge queue wait of people just waiting to get in. And it's huge. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right crazy. through. Just not a let up the, the entire weekend we were there. Hmm. So I thought I'd look at it more. Um, it, it plays very much like the, these other types of games. Your characters that you're using have got an attack and defense. Uh, and it looks like it plays very similar to kind of Magic the Gathering, you know, like we talked about this with Deck Builders and Hero Realms, then you could pick this up. I think in terms of price, they're not kind of far off. So the, the sort of starter decks are 17, 18 pounds that you can pick them up for, and that gives you a pre-made deck and usually a booster to, you know, so you can tweak and add to things as you go along. And that seems on a very similar price point to Magic pokemon that sort of thing um it's not something i'm particularly going to go for i'm not huge into this you know kind of building your decks and buying 100 different boosters to try and find Mm. that one shiny card that you know gives you the edge over everyone else because then it becomes less about your ability to play the game and who can spend the most money to buy the best cards for their for their deck, which kind of doesn't really do it for me. That said, um, I know my older two have got some Yu-Gi-Oh decks they play with. We've got some Magic the Gathering decks, and uh, Elijah has got some Pokemon ones. But we tend to just play them as getting the starter decks and just using that as as the deck. We don't bother with kind of boosters or tweaking them or, you know, because they seem fairly balanced out of the box. But, yeah, if you're into Disney... If you'd like to get into a sort of trading, collecting card game, then 
this one might be for you. It's hard to know if we just, I, I feel like maybe we've been overly negative about it. Like for me, it feels a little bit like Disney are just getting on board with something else to milk for money. Right. Like, uh, but I'm sure, I'm sure there's a very good game there. And yeah, I mean, I've, I've looked at a couple of videos and I, I would, I was worried that it was going to be very childish because it is Disney and it's, you know, using those, characters you know like the disney princesses and mickey mouse and and stuff like that i wondered if it was going to be very kind of childish in the way the game plays but actually this in terms of skill and tactics looks very much like a game for adults you, you've but, been no you mentioned when we were talking about the the star wars um collectible card game not collectible card game is that what i mean so the yeah, expression? Trading, yeah. card game trading, trading card game is what i was thinking yeah um you were thinking about a version of one of those that you'd want to get involved in from the beginning, you know, Lorcana early days. Is this would this be one? Yeah, and again, like Paul said, I don't it's not too like it's not exactly inaccessible in terms of the price. Um I think as well the other consideration is that I think this is going to have a much bigger player base probably than than the Star Wars one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if it's in terms of like wanting to find and play games with people, then then actually Lorcana's probably a better better shout to get into. Just not right now for me. Yeah, just wait for Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, so now what's your second choice for us? So my second choice, um, I haven't been able to 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 dig out a huge amount of info on this, but this is Last Light. Um, which was uh, backed a little while ago on GameFound, uh, and I think is due to be uh, making its way uh, through through fulfillment now, um, coming to backers in sort of Q Q three Q four. The thing that got me interested in this is that it is billed as all the fun of the Forex Fair with planets and all of that kind of stuff but doable in an hour you know so to me that sounds like it's just not going to happen it just doesn't sound like it's going to have the depth of a forex experience largely the reviews are saying that actually there, there's a heck of a lot to this game it's um so it's a space forex i think twilight imperium you've got these 3d planets which are all like these kind of fancy glass marbles players will then in turn select an action card so i'm assuming that that's kind of like the action phase in twilight but then everyone takes their actions uh, simultaneously so whether that's exploring mining um getting technology or or, or building fleets or, or or racing towards like the the kind of the, the Mechatol Rex, as it were, which is like this white dwarf star to gather light for their civilization. So it sounds like Twilight Imperium light. It sounds like, you know, Twilight Imperium in an hour. But I think just looking at Zatu, the, pre, the, the, the RRP is about 180 quid and there's just absolutely not a cat in hell's chance. But I'm no. going anywhere near that at that price. Yeah. Did you notice, well, this is from uh, the designer is Roy Canada, who is um, from, um, from Dice Tower. Dice Tower, yeah. Mm. Yeah, which is a nice uh, future for us all, perhaps, as people engaged in talking about board games is one day maybe we can create our own. I don't think we're bright enough for that. Kickstart a board game with uh, generating half a million dollars. Yeah, some, something like that. Just get Tom Vassell's backing. You'll love <laughs> I'll give him a ring. <laughs> right, Tom, what have you got for us? Uh, yeah, so my uh, my second is Expeditions. 
This is the one that is uh, in the Scythe world that I mentioned actually just a few minutes ago in relation to Pirates of Maracaibo. Uh, and we have spoken about this one fairly recently as well. Uh, in fact, most recently in our UK Games Expo debriefs, right? Um, I've just seen quite a lot more about it uh, on Instagram, YouTube, and elsewhere, uh, and just thought it might be worth for us to sort of bring back to Six of the Best for a little bit of a chat. Uh, and it's mainly for myself, perhaps, really, um, to maybe dissuade myself still from guessing this game. Um, and when we reviewed at the UK Games Expo, I was sort of also been thinking, well, look, it was very late. It was on the Sunday, where late into the whole experience. And, and frankly, I think I just didn't give it enough of an assessment. We know that the teach that we had of it was not fantastic. Um, and my brain was kind of just not not with it enough at the time. So did I just come away thinking negatively of this because it was just, you know, not the right moment? So anyway, again, this is the game from Stonemaier Games uh, in the same world as Scythe. There's absolutely no doubt it was a different game. I think it was really clear to us um, when we were playing it that, that there's, there's some common DNA, but not very much. Um, this time you're exploring northern reaches of the world. So... Um, after asteroid or asteroids have hit the Earth, there seems to have some potential supernatural um, element to them. But we didn't massively get into it when we were playing. No, I don't think we played it sufficiently. But you kind of got relatively similar mechanics in that you got the uh, the actions that you can choose, and you're moving your mechs around, and obviously all the artwork is the same as the scythe. Um, and you sort of collecting resources and, and exploring, pleasing quests and that kind of thing. And similarities to side largely end end with some of that. Um, it is an exploration game, exploration game, I suppose, and, and some worker placement. But uh, but otherwise, it really is quite different. I think that was one of the main things that I took away from the expo is that I was just a bit sad that it was so different. I kind of got excited that oh, side yes, it's going to be something the same. Maybe it's just adding something or moving the story forward or something like that. But it's not. It's just. It's you just want this to be side again. <laughs> side, side mark too, but it's just not at all. It's a totally different thing. And a lot of the reviews seem to be saying the same. Um, they are a bit mixed in terms of what I'm seeing. You know, some people rating it very highly who maybe were not such fans of Scythe originally. It's certainly a lot quicker game. I think, you know, Scythe would take a number of hours. You could, I think, easily play this in, in less than an hour. But just wonder how exciting um, this game is. Um, he says, what are your guys' thoughts on on this, you know, few few weeks or a couple of months cool down after the expo i'm still very keen on this game actually mm. once you know it's not scythe i like the idea of that kind of exploration and trying to complete your little missions and stuff yep. like that do you know i think the thing that kind of has put me me off partly is because you're right it's not scythe if this has been like <laughs> art worked up and packaged in something else i think i'd be a lot more keen on it and and i yeah i really like it i think there's a very good game here I'm just say, i'm really keen to give this a go i think i think i'm happy to be playing a completely different game in the scythe universe i just wonder yeah. how exciting that is though like it, when what are your thoughts again i think we broadly all were in the same headspace when we were playing this like looking back on it do you see that uh introductory game that we had as as being a, a particularly interesting game yeah i think it was i think it was i think there were some fun new mechanics i think i think okay. we all under the right circumstances enjoy playing games just to prod and pull at the mechanics and i think there was plenty to prod and pull out there yeah fair enough i think from my I, point of view 
just lacks a bit of player interaction. Um, and all, you know, we all know there's not a lot inside already, um, which is not necessarily a problem, but you know, just the it kind of <laughs> just the thing for me, they just teased me in with it being scythe or being in that same world. Um, but just being a completely get different game is is probably something that I should need to sort of get past really, and maybe I'm just not not there yet. Paul, I think say? I think as a it's it's a high strategy game, and and you mm-hmm. think of other games that you know, I know you like terraforming Mars, Wingspan, games like that. Yeah, that <clears throat> again, high strategy, very very minimal player interaction. I think there's probably going to be more player interaction in this. Maybe I think it's like there's competition for spots in the same way as there would be in Terraforming Mars. I, just, I can't see anything there that that suggests there's anything that you'd be interacting with other players over. Yeah, you know, there should be lots of things that are like I just <laughs> I don't know. You, you both have moved on or, or were never needed to move on in the first place. But yeah, I, I'm not quite there yet. I need need some more time. Need some more time before I spend a, a vast amount of money on this. So maybe if one of you did instead, that'd be great. So you can you can pre-order it anyway on the um the basic version. I think it's about sixty quid. Um the uh uh I think it's I'm just going to check the name actually because I've forgotten it. Yeah, Ironclad Edition, yeah. There you go, it's more like ninety. Not bad. Anyway, that's expeditions. I'm not quite ready to get it yet. <laughs> Okay, so finally for me, I've gone with Ascendancy. This uh, will have just finished on Kickstarter uh, by the time this comes out, So, uh, and it's going to be Kickstarter only. So good choice me, which will be completely irrelevant to anyone <laughs> listening to this podcast. I'm really liking the look of this game. This is a 4X game, but set in a fantasy universe. So you've got four asymmetric houses looking to compete for for the throne and grow in that way so it's got those those forex it's got that exploration element in it um there is a good level of combat there's a good level of engine building and strategy going in but there's also kind of this little worker placement game going on so you are trying to get better nobles and by putting them in certain actions then will give you bonuses to what you're doing in that turn but on top of that if someone else has got a slightly higher higher rated noble what do you higher like dukes and earls and mm. further up the uh the higher up. line of not a line of succession higher lineage or whatever then they can kind of kick your worker off and uh take that place from you um i love it i think the artwork looks great i think the game looks great it's currently on kickstarter for 77 pounds um by the time you've got uh tax and delivery you're probably about 100 pounds but 100 pounds for a big 4x is kind of the right price point i think my my reluctance to get this is i i also like a copy of pendragon which is uh <laughs> The Fall of Roman Britain, which is the eighth in the coin series uh, that's coming through for a restock, and I'd really like to buy a copy of that, which is going to be about 70 quid. So, And I can only really afford one. So I don't know. I am very tempted by Ascendancy. The other thing I like is that there's like a little quest and missions book. And if you want to play the full game, much like the big kind of Twilight Imperium, it's a, it's an eight-hour game for you to play. But 
They've also put in solo missions, cooperative missions, and kind of scaled back versions. So there are versions of the game you can play in 90 minutes. And I think that's a very... That's a very positive thing, yeah. Yeah, way of doing it. Because, you know, we'd all love to play Twilight Imperium, but we don't always have time for, you know, giving it a whole day. If there was a Twilight Imperium light version that came with the game, then I, I suppose we'd be more tempted to at least give it a go. Um, it looks very good. It's one more turn games. This is the first first sort of project they've done, and it looks very well thought out. The component the components look very good. Uh, you know, I'd like to see what else they've got. You know, in the workings because they've I think they've got a very good game here. Yeah, and actually, not many kind of four X's that sit in that fantasy category. Anyway, so that's our six of the best. Um, we'll be back in the next episode with more stuff that we may like or not like the look of, and may be tempted to buy or not tempted to buy. But hopefully, it's giving you a broad range of games that uh, might tickle your fancy. So, if you've seen any in the hotness, please let us know on. Uh, Instagram or X or Twitter, whichever Elon Musk is uh, calling it this week, but uh, feel free to uh, drop us a message on there. Okay, on to our topic for this episode, which is looking at my board game collection. So Tom and Neil have been trawling through the list on BGG of what I own and what I've been playing, and I'm sure they've got lots of very interesting questions, which definitely don't replicate from the last two episodes that we've done, <laughs> where we were asking very, very similar questions. So I don't know who wants to go first. Neil, why don't you kick us off? So I had a burning question. So if from your collection you could play one game with its designer, um, what? Uh... <laughs> what good question? it's a great question in the interest of originality what game would that be so do you know the the one i would pick would actually be ming voyages yeah because uh, you love alan paul yeah i do (laughs) tom and i had a really good chat with him at um at the expo and he seems like just a genuinely nice bloke but i think what what probably prompts this as well is specifically ming voyages I've played it a few times now, but whenever I play as the Emperor, I always lose. Um, <laughs> I can attest and, to that. And and he was like, no, no, it's really easy to win as the Emperor. Yeah, he I did, always didn't win he? as the yeah. Emperor. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd like to play him. I'd like him to be the Emperor, and then I'd like to win. Or if not, I'll be <laughs> taking notes of how to uh how to how to be uh, the victor as the Emperor, as it were. Excellent. So your main gaming groups. Uh, I would say is two player stuff that you that you play with Michelle. Yep. So tell us a bit about your favorite games in that kind of not necessarily exclusively two player, but the sort of the games that you like playing one on one with her. Um, so we have quite a lot of games of very traditional sort of backgammon and cribbage, which we absolutely love. I think uh, but backgammon is kind of an underrated, you know, it's, it's ancient game, but. I think tactically still has a lot to offer. Um, I think moving up from there is if we're going to play a quick game, the um, Star Realms deck builder game, 
yeah. and we've kind of moved on to also playing some of the Star Wars deck builder. But I think, as as you might have mentioned in a previous episode, Neil, it does take that little bit longer to play. And we've sometimes shortened it by uh, reducing the amount of home planets you need. Yeah. Um, and that works quite well. But I think because we just know Star Realms that well, it's a you know a nice easy one to go to for a for a very quick uh, morning coffee game. And then sort of building up to maybe slightly bigger games would be Explorers of the North Sea, which is a great little action based thinky puzzle game uh, from Shem Phillips. And then. I think probably both of our favourites is the Agricola Family Edition. It plays so nicely at two-player. It you know it it's very very quick. Uh, you know, almost twenty twenty five minutes. I think um, it's one of the few things I've never really gone for like upgraded components or box things or anything like that, but. I think I might get the folded space insert for that just so it's mm. easier to get the pieces out and stuff. Um, we we absolutely love that game. Um, and then one that's not in my collection, but I've currently stolen from Tom, is the Star Wars Unlocked game. Now, we've only played the first mission of that. We both really enjoyed it and have also discussed, of okay, once we've completed these, you know, we should definitely look at more unlocks. It's a, it's a really enjoyable way to you know, spend an evening, get rid of some of the kids and uh, open a <laughs> bottle of wine or whatever and uh, have a little game like that. Yeah, agreed. It's brilliant. Another thing that is a bit of a theme, so we were talking about two-player games being part of it, is um, the the fantasy side of it. It feels like there's a strong theme of fantasy all the way through your collection. I don't know all the questions yeah, I... attached to that. <laughs> no, I agree. I think... I think that kind of, I, I think because of you, Tom, I'm getting uh, very much more into sort of historical stuff. I've always kind of That's enjoyed that, fault. but, right. but I've, I've always loved, you know, big fantasy epics and I like big fantasy epic novels and stuff. I use mm-hmm. audible and people read them to me and it's a, a wonderful way of uh, killing <laughs> the working day when you're mowing a lawn or whatever. Um, but, but yes, yes. So, Obviously, you know, like journeys in Middle Earth and stuff, which Tom, you've you've borrowed and things like that. But one game I think I've got that I think is really underrated is Shifting Realms, which is okay, kind of an entry level worker placement. But I mean, it it builds itself up as so many different options and ways to play the game. There's not really that many. Um, essentially you get five different boards and three of them and you pick three of them and they've got very slightly different conditions that you need to play on them. But it, you know, when games say they're asymmetric and they're really not that asymmetric (laughs) we've talked about before, I think, I think this, this builds up how, how different it is, but at its core is a really simple worker placement slash combat game that that again sits in that fantasy and is a is a great one and we haven't played it in ages and i think might be one i need to need to go for so the small like there seems to be a lot of kind of card led or small box games in the collection is that something that you always deliberately try and do just through you know you love those or 
um, type of games that you like to play with the, the family or even just matters of space? <laughs> um, I mean, it's not necessarily a matter of space. It's kind of how it's worked out. But, you know, a lot of the games in my collection aren't necessarily the games I would choose to be playing on a weekly basis, but they're the ones I can get away with playing. Okay. <laughs> um like you know if if i could get my wife and three kids to play twilight imperium once a month <laughs> then then i'd be all over that but unfortunately we're still at quacks of quedlingberg and machikoro so nothing wrong with them no and i think very early on in getting games i was like oh you know this big chewy meaty game looks wonderful i should get it and then no one ever wants to play it because you know, I mean, especially back then, I was living with some very young children. So I think, yeah, you know, I, I think a lot of this collection is very much a, a family collated set of, you know. Yeah, there's um, it's a big sort of theme throughout is the stuff that's really clear that is things that you you can play uh, regularly. And <laughs> that for all of us with any kind of game collection, I think that's a, uh, very good thing to to have or be leading your collection is you know stuff that's there that isn't in any way a shelf of shame or something that's gathering dust on the uh, uh on the calyx so for yeah. sure yeah it's great and uh, i guess kind of following on from that though is there you know uh, as you were going through is there something there that you think oh man whether it's shelf of shame or not or not must get that to the table soon. Was there one just through this exercise of looking at your collection? You think, oh, got to be that one. Yeah. So Flam Rouge. Okay. Yeah, um, I wondered about that. I'd be interested yeah. to see where you rate this one later as well. But no spoilers. No, I I love I love Flam Rouge. I think it's brilliant. Um, I've I've tried to play with just Michelle and. It's all right, but actually, I think the game lends itself to that slightly higher player count. I was going to say, what's what's the barrier for this? Is it that the kids aren't into it? Yeah, yeah. Joe and Kyra just doesn't do anything for them. Um, I don't know whether it's the theme or or what, but they're they're not particularly keen on it. I think actually, going all the way back to the very first episode, I did try and play it with Mum, who didn't really understand the rules and just did her own thing. Um, and I think she'd be willing to play it again, but maybe I just need to actually teach her the rules properly uh, and make sure she sticks to them. <laughs> so, shelf of shame, you're actually quite good at not having one of those. But what what is on there now? And you've got a couple, and what is going to be the first one to be taken off and played? Uh, I think the one that I would like to play the most from my shelf of shame is Imperium Classics, which mm-hmm. is that big weighty deck builder been a little bit scared to to give it a go but i think is <laughs> too is weighty be... or just concerned that uh, family won't like it oh i think i'm only going to get away with playing this with joe mm-hmm. of anyone but there is uh, a solo player mode but looking into it i think to play as with a lot of games, I think I'm very interested to play this solo. I've been enjoying some solo games. Mm. Um, but I think it lends itself to knowing how to play it two-player first. At least reading through the rule book, that was my understanding before you play it solo. And a lot of these games that 
and mold players. I think they they kind of encourage you learn the game as a group and then then add the solo rules. So I think I need to find time before Joe goes to uni to sit down and play sit down and play this game. Yeah, I'd be really interested to know how that goes. It's from Osprey. Osprey. Your favourite. Of course it is. Of course it is. I was going to say, have you done a left brain, right brain yet? Uh, no, I haven't. No, it's it's completely shelf of shame. It's I I got it home and I opened it and I went, oh, look at all the cards. And then I put the lid back on and it hasn't come out again since. <laughs> so. So are you are you much of a left brain right brain kind of guy? I know Tom and I kind of talk about that a fair bit, but do you do you do that? Yeah, yeah, quite quite happily. Um, I think especially if I'm trying to learn a game, and I think actually it was a little tip that Tom gave me many 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 years ago <laughs> um, that if you're trying to do it, get up and walk around the table. I think so. And I think it, it's, it, there's something about it. It just puts you a different mindset when you when you yeah. think about these things. So if I'm going to, if I've got a new game, I like to try and learn it before I teach it to the family. I think being able to play the game rather than just explain it from the rule book is inexperienced, much more advantageous to a, a positive family gaming evening. Yeah, so, you know, I'd, I'll put it on the table and, and have a little solo run through playing as a couple of different players before I then try and teach it. Yeah, it's always a good idea, I think. So you're saying the Imperium Classics is the game that you'd perhaps most want to get to the table from the collection that hasn't ever been played. What about, is there anything in your collection that you are, I don't know if this is quite regret or something that you just think, ah, oh, that one's probably going to go soon. It's not and that it, I don't like it, but I think the one that it will, if something goes, what will go first is Battle Law. No, oh yeah I, okay absolutely i really love this game and it might be i mean it's it's fantasy memoir yeah um and there are some historical battles but then there's also a campaign element where you can you know kind of play through and add wizards and sorcery and add powers to your wizards so you can cast spells over the battlefield and it just looks brilliant but i've only ever had a couple of games and it's one of these that suffers from it takes forever to set it up. And especially compared to memoir, I think it actually takes a little bit longer because um, not only do you have like your, your infantry and your archers and things like that, I know you've got tanks and things, but then you've also got light, medium and heavy troops. Mm -hmm. So as you're setting it up, they've all got these little flags that clip in and, and stuff. So, you need to make sure that each squad has got its own flags. And yeah, it just is such a pain to set up. And the only other one that might go is uh, Ticket to Ride Europe. It's not a massive family favourite. They're happy so to good. play it. It, it, is, it is really good. Um, but I think people are more keen to play other games. So again, yeah. it doesn't come out. All right. What game are me and you playing next, Paul? Right. So this was a really, really tough one to try and think of for you because there are so many, because we mentioned it on the last episode, Antiki's got a real, a real good... Real place for you and I, yeah. Yeah, place for you and I. And um, you've just given me back Discworld, which is kind of a shared copy of a game. And you and I have had some fantastic little two-player games of that. But I think, actually, 
I've got Battle of Britain, which Tom and I played once through, which I'd I'd like to play with you. I'd like to see how you kind of take yeah, that. Yeah, that's well a up for that. little push your planes yeah, it was decent, about. wasn't it? It's really good. And then do you have one that you would pick to play with me? I, yeah, I did until you said that you may be considering getting rid of Battle Law, to which I think, well, maybe I'll have a quick game of that with you before you get rid of it. And what about a game that you'd want to play with Tom next? Uh, I think this was a slightly easier choice for me. It's got to um, be Crusader Rex, right? Yeah, and I think it is Crusader Rex. Tom and I had a really good in-person game, but we only got kind of halfway through the uh, mm-hmm. yeah, through the game. And I, lo- I love those block games. Um, I'm so bad at them, but well, come on, they, you, you won Hammer of the Scots in the last few days, so yeah, which was the first game. Uh, it's the first game I've ever won, and we've played many, many. I think eleven. No, games that's not. Of, that can't be true. That can't be true. Hammer. Um, but yeah, something like 12, 12 2 now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's counting? Me. Um, so yeah, I think I think Crusader X, I think that's a brilliant game. I'd uh yeah. And I'd like to Yeah, that's what I would choose. Oh, we're we're aligned. Tom, have you got a um have you got a game from uh, from Paul's library that you'd uh, that you'd that you'd gladly accept as a gift given half a chance? <laughs> it would be very easy to say Crusader X on that. Um, and I was looking through the collection. I made a what I like, what I would like list um, from yours, Paul. And there's a few actually that you know. Even uh, if I was trying to get one, trying to do dancing eggs. <laughs> I think I'd probably actually choose probably Agricola Family Edition. I don't oh. know it. I don't know the game particularly well. I've only ever played Agricola and got on fine with that, but. You just rate it so highly, and I can see my daughter Abigail kind of getting on with it from the point of view of it being animals and that kind of thing in maybe a couple of years' time or something. So a less obvious choice, perhaps, but maybe that. But there were, yeah, there were others on the list. How about you, Neil? Let's uh, let's divvy up Paul's collection and we'll just uh, take what we want. I was uh, I was genuinely I finished work a little bit early on Sunday, and I was uh, looking forward to settling into an afternoon of solo gaming. Um, and I was watching a few different videos, suggestions of, you know, of, of top um, solo board games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Legacy of You came up a couple of times. So I think uh, I'll, yeah. I'll take that off of him. When you showed me that for five minutes when we saw each other at the expo, it looks great. Like, forget the gameplay and everything else for a minute. It looks fantastic. Oh, like, all the components is... and the artwork, brilliant. Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful game, yeah. It's a good choice. Following Neil's pattern, game for all three of us. What would we play all three of us together? So this is really difficult because um, I've said Dune Imperium last couple of times. I nearly went out and bought Dune Imperium <laughs> just so I could <laughs> carry on with my... Because uh, that is definitely my best game uh, to play for all three of us. I think, possibly, because I've talked about it a lot, Mm. Agricola Family Edition was was up there. So the other one I that we've not played that I I've got I've had a couple of plays is Wreck and Ruin, which is a silly little mm. game the, like think, Micro Machine. Uh, it's or, Micro or, Machines or... meets Mad Max. No, you're thinking Tiny Turbo Cars. Oh, okay. No, no, it's more Mad Maxy. Um, but actually. I really enjoyed our first playthrough of Wayfarers of the South Tigris 
I genuinely, I love that game. I think it's, I think it's brilliant. Um, and so that I think that it's really simple once you've got to grips with the iconography, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it looks daunting. I think like a lot of the Shem Phillips Phillips uh, Garfield games, they they look daunting, uh, but actually not too bad once you once you got into it. Yeah. And then what about you guys? I think probably uh, to be a bit different than I would choose Explorers of the North Sea. We've played that I think twice together. Um, and it's just really fun. You know, the, uh, it has the thing that I, I like about you, you lay out the tiles and you build your fjords and your little islands and so on. That's all, all cool. And it's just nice little uh, efficiency puzzle about some of it, about how you, you know, you. <laughs> it's, it's almost like one of those uh, riddles slash maths questions. Have you got three yeah. sheep over there? How do you bring those back? <laughs> with the fox that stops eating it's not quite that but yeah <laughs> oh no it very much is yeah i completely get where you're coming from um and and very nice little wooden um animal meeples and things in there as well which i thought was was cool so i think explorers in the north sea and vikings you know who doesn't like vikings yeah love vikings and vikings not killing each other for once so uh, i know it's just trading stuff right just <laughs> exploring yeah, in fact I think, you know, it kind of gets overlooked, but, you know, a lot of the, the early Nordic countries were trying to work out ways of being a lot more efficient with their farming techniques because... Right, because the land in uh, in Norway was just all mountains and bears, right? Yep. Yeah. Neil? Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna be a little bit cheeky and I'm going to have two. Um, <laughs> so... Um, now that it's officially in Paul's collection, I'd like to have a game of Isle of Sky because I haven't played that at more than two players. And I think it's one of those that would really benefit from three or four. And controversially, because I, I historically don't rate this game, I'd be well up for a little three player game of uh, Journeys in Middle Earth. I don't know how many scenarios I'd want to play. And if there's any way of us like skipping forward a bit and kind of getting through a bit of the low level boringness, that'd be great. But yeah. All right, now, quite a good question. Which I, th- I think maybe you asked originally, um, Neil, but I do like it. Is what is the game that's been in your collection the longest? What was one of the first ones? Do you know? I think it might be Discworld. Really? Okay. I mean, how if you look how that? how warm the box is, <laughs> that's battered, isn't it? It's always a sign. It's like my uh, Game of Thrones uh, board game held together with string. Just shows you how many times it's been moved around, taken on and off the shelf, etc. Well, when I when I bought that, Neil, you were in New Zealand. Yeah. So how long ago was that? I came back in 2010. Right. And it had been bought before. So easily 2008, 2009, something like that. I love Discworld. Um I know we kind of joke about it. I'm not a massive reader, but there's something there's something about the way Terry Pratchett wrote his books that really engaged me. Mm. And I've I've read every single one of his Discworld novels and most of his other stuff as well. But so when I saw this in the shop, I was like, oh, I like games. I'm just gonna <laughs> I like Discworld. <laughs> I, I had no idea what it was, what it did, how it worked, but I was like, how do I have that? Right, I've got four 
fairly quick fire. So quick top of your head answers. Favourite two-player game? Mm, Star Realms. Most underplayed game? I think I kind of touched on it, Flam Rouge. Okay. Uh, most underrated game? Same question, uh, maybe. I don't know. Underrated game by so, that you uh, mean... So by that, something that you've got in your collection that you feel that others don't appreciate sufficiently. Guy Project. It's not about you, Neil. <laughs> so I've got a general overview of this, right? And then I'll probably narrow it down to a game. But we've got lots of very quick family games. Mm. So actually, the one I'll highlight for for this is Olympics, right? Mm. Which which I picked up at the Games Expo in the Bring and Sell for whatever it was, four quid, right? Yep. That game is brilliant at what it does at being a quick, fun family game. Mm-hmm. But Board Game Geek rates it as 6.4. And I think a lot... And, and actually, if you look through a lot of... because Because of younger children, we've got a lot of these sort of very quick quick to play fun little family 20 minute jobs and they all have that very much lower lower rating i think because they're not as in-depth and complicated but i think because but because people don't necessarily rate them in the same way Mm -hmm. i think that's why it probably comes in long lower and then i think so my my final answer for that would probably be um bang the dice game. Ah, okay. Yep. I I think that game it starts to it, it's very, very good. There is a a lot of randomness with the rolling of the dice, but mm. it introduces that kind of tactics if you enjoy those kind of hidden traitor type games it's a real good entry level game into that have you got any more fire questions tom yeah last one is best new game in the collection oh that was on my list best sorry it's still that one (laughs) what's been the best new edition best new edition let's say added in 2023 added in 2023 um Okay, so favourite game that's given the most laughs has got to be Dancing Eggs, which is, again, a silly little family, you know, and it's in that same, I mean, it's the same producer in the same sort of category as, like, Rhino Hero and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. But, do you know, I think my favourite game that I've added in the last year or so is Legacy of You. Okay. Hmm. And And so before we wrap up, I guess the last category that we haven't covered is your family games so just give us a rundown of your sort of your family games collection if you you know if you if if especially if uncle neil's over to visit you've got loads yep. of like good little five six player games you're gonna go upstairs grab a pile of boxes what's coming back down the stairs with you okay so i mean i think these are more just generic i think a lot of board game connoisseurs wouldn't necessarily categorize them as proper games but we've got articulate for kids and we've also got trivial pursuit for kids uh, or trivial pursuit family edition which gives you like different cards they're really good without being like the oh, parent to help kids you know i think articulate is a really good one to help kids develop like those dis- description skills um and things like that so i would just put those two kind of together for that 
You're making yourself out to be far too intelligent. You've never brought either of those games down when I've been to visit. <laughs> no, no, that that's because I know my audience rather than... <laughs> Good answer. Okay, so uh, rattling through them, Cobra Paw. So this is a dexterity game with dominoes, but the dominoes have got different um, tiles on them, uh, different images on them. You roll two dice, and then there'll be one domino that matches what you've rolled in the two dice. First person to put their finger on it wins that. That's a brilliant, fun, little, quick dexterity game. Castle Panic is uh, a team tower defense type game, uh, which uh, Reese kindly uh, has given us, and we've really enjoyed playing that. That's a great one. Color Smash, which is like um, Snap almost, where you're playing off of double-sized cards. Whatever they say, then you've got to smack your hand down. Uh, We don't play that as much since... um, the instant when my wife lost one of her nails to an over-enthusiastic smash. So uh, we don't play that as much. Dancing Eggs, I've mentioned, and uh, Rhino Hero is fantastic little game like that. Then in those like the other dexterity games, we've got Tumble Tree, where you're um, building a boabab tree by stacking different things and hoping stuff doesn't fall off it. Uh, we don't play it very often, but Get Bit, which is um robots chase being chased by a lego shark and you're playing your cards to see where you are in in the line it's a very very quick silly game uh neil i know one of your favorites ghost blitz we've talked about that one before um so much love hate for that game i think that's the game that i love the most that i suck at the most uh yeah i mean more generic family ones just one um, we've got a game called Kariba, which is about animals around the watering hole of Lake Kariba. And depending on how you play your cards, you're then going to scare off and add those cards to your hand, uh, to your overall hand. Uh, that's a really clever game that works kind of for all ages. Um, Lattice we've got, which is a, a beautiful little tile laying game with them restrictions of kind of you can't put that tile there if there's something of the wrong colour or the wrong shape or or something. I don't think that's a game either of you may have played. I, I think Abigail, in a, she's probably a year or two away. That might be a really... It's a very beautiful little game. Hmm. Uh, Labyrinth, which, Tom, you've played. Yeah, I love, I love Labyrinth. Yeah. Um, um, I'm just trying to just whiz through the other kind of... Orc Olympics, I can't say enough about that. And then we've got a few like push your luck games. So we've got Pass the Pigs and we've got Zombie Dice. Zombie Dice is a very good little uh, little game that f- fits in with that. Um, and I think that's probably it. And, and I think with, with all of these kind of quick family games, you, you need to take them with a pinch of salt and play them in the... Uh, in the manner they're attended yeah i think if you're overly serious about it then actually you won't enjoy the game you've got to have that kind of light-hearted attitude top 10 time then top 10 time uh well number one just so you can all tick one off your list uh is discworld yep good these are in no particular order uh number two legacy of you okay number three I put Journeys in Middle-earth because of all the campaign games we've played at. Absolutely loved that. It was a toss-up between that and Robin Hood. Um, oh, really? I think, yeah, because I 
I think more as a family, we love Robin Hood, but I've got the the Shadow Path expansion for Journeys in Middle Earth now, and uh, I'm really looking forward to playing that and getting it out again. I don't know if this really counts, but I've put Star Wars Legion, which is more a tabletop. Definitely counts because I had it on my lists. Uh, good, fantastic. I absolutely love that. Um, it's it's really addictive tactical gameplay. And then sticking sticking in space, Star Wars Outer Rim. Oh, okay. Played a couple of games of that recently, and Didn't again, I that. think yeah, I think it's really underrated. Star Realms. Yeah. Oh, why didn't I put that on? Why didn't you put that on? Of course it was going to be Star Realms. And then Agricola Family Edition. Yeah. Yeah. Explorers of the North Sea. Yeah. Ah, okay. And then, because I really enjoy a worker placement, Stone Age. Yes. I've not mentioned I nearly put that. And then my final one, which um, was a real impulse purchase purely from the podcast, is Village Rails. Oh, I nearly put that as well. Uh, okay. I love Man, I did with that. So there's yeah, a couple of games in there I haven't actually mentioned at all when you ask about stuff I like, but they're, they've made my top 10, so. <laughs> all right, Tom, how many How many did you get? Oh, I did terribly there. I only got uh, one, two, three, four, five out of 10. Yeah, same. What oh. did you put, Tom, that you thought Paul would have had? Well, I'm surprised that Explorers pipped Wayfarers. I look longingly at Wayfarers. But I know it's not going to get played until I see you two again, right? <laughs> or or if I have a solo game of it. Whereas Explorers, we could play every week if you know. Yeah, fair enough. Then finally, Unmatched. Oh, I can't yes. believe Unmatched didn't get into. I it. can't believe Unmatched. It's like one game it. that you always bang on about how much you love. <laughs> get in yeah. your top ten. How about you, Neil? How did you get on? Uh, sorry, can I just say I might need yeah, to cool. rewrite? Can I have a top eleven? <laughs> We might think, need a top 12 in a minute. Oh, well, I think you can have a bonus point for unmatched because oh, that right, probably okay. should be in the... I put Bang the Dice game. Yeah, that's a very good... Probably our most popular family game. Okay, so that was my collection. Um, I hope you found it interesting going through it. I think it's been good for me to highlight some of the games that uh, I wish I'd played more. Uh, and as you as you can hear, there's there's a lot of fun family games that we really like playing in the otter house so please just let us know if you've got any others i'm always open to suggestions we love picking up uh these sort of new quick games they work so nicely of like just a nice family evening so uh get in touch with us through instagram and twitter or probably on our discord channel which uh there's a lot more in-depth chat on it and you can get links to all of those on our website, imhavingmyone.com. So that's it. That's everything for this episode. We hope you've enjoyed it. Please stay in touch. Please uh, check us out. We'll have uh, more more wonderful content to stream to you in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, but for now, all that's left for me to say is, we've been I'm Having My One, and I hope you have yours too. I'm having my one!